If you enjoy this episode and want to keep hearing more from the kibitz, please consider making a charitable, tax-deductible donation to Reboot, the Jewish nonprofit organization behind the kibitz at rally.org slash reboot. Just a quick disclaimer before we begin, the views expressed on this podcast are solely those of the guests and do not reflect the opinions of the podcast or its sponsors. Also, the following podcast contains material that may not be suitable for children. Talking about atheism, talking about the divine and all of its many manifestations is a lot of what I do as a rabbi because I think that it's one of the places that's really unique in Judaism and it's one of the primary places that people are really wrestling with. That's Rabbi Susan Goldberg of the Wilshire Boulevard Temple in Los Angeles. She said something really interesting about atheism that I think is central to the theme of this episode. Here it is again. I think that it's one of the places that's really unique in Judaism. Huh. Is atheism unique to Judaism? Think about that. She's saying Judaism, one of the world's major religions, can exist without God. But can Judaism exist without God? Isn't God sort of like the basis of religion? Recent polls suggest that the majority of Jews don't believe in God. But what God don't they believe in? Is God a guy or a gal with a beard and a cloak that grants wishes to those that pray really hard? Or is God just sort of an abstract metaphor? Are the many Jews who don't believe in God rationalizing participation in Jewish rituals because we just really like the food and and the stories while denying the existence of an all-powerful God? Are we hypocrites for reciting prayers in Hebrew that when we translate them, we realize we really don't believe? These are some of the questions posed in this episode. Hi, I'm Dan Crane. And I'm Jessica Chaffin. You're listening to The Kibitz, the podcast about Jewish ideas and culture. All right. So, Jess, uh, God, what's your what's your stance? The big G. The the big G. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think I fall firmly in the camp of I'm not going to say there isn't one. In case there is. Right. You're you're afraid. You're, you're hedging your bets. <laughs> I am. I'm okay. a hedger. I'm 100% a hedger. I've always said that about you. Um, but if he, she, it, they, uh, they, that's what we're saying they, yeah. these days, um, does exist. Uh, I don't know. I, I have to say there's a lot in Jewish culture and religion that I go for. So I'm happy that the construct was created, whether or not the... He, she, it, they um, is the person that was responsible uh-huh. for me missing my train this morning. Right. <laughs> and, but so you don't. But do you feel weird? So you don't. You don't have any problem, or you don't feel weird at all saying like, you know, thank you God for this food and all of that stuff. Does it make you feel itchy or anything? I don't. Yes, it does. In the sense that I don't think I'm thanking a being, but I think it's okay to take a moment and be grateful for what's come into your sphere so like if god is in plants and if in if it's the miracle of if god means the reason that the world turns and that the sun comes up and that we have food to eat and things like that i'm all for like let's take a moment and be grateful for what we have but am i direct when i say a prayer or am i directing it towards a being I can't answer that because what if I am? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. But he, she, it knows. It, you know, if it, I am, yeah. if I am. They know. Am. Yeah, they know. The they bearded know. ladies. Yeah. No, there. I'd say I'm not. I'm not directing it towards a, a creature, but maybe towards an idea. Well, in this episode, we're going to hear viewpoints on Jewish atheism from the president of the American Atheists Association, David Silverman, 
British comedian David Baddiel. And the founder and president emeritus of the Secular Coalition for America, Herb Silverman. Two Davids, two Silvermans, I see a trend. That's right. (laughs) So get on your knees and pray that you enjoy this episode of The Kibbits. Or don't pray. (laughs) Or don't pray. That's not what you do. (laughs) And also, we don't pray on our knees. That's Catholics. Sorry. Well, just shut (laughs) up and and enjoy it. Let's hear again from Rabbi Susan Goldberg of the Wilshire Boulevard Temple in Los Angeles. If you watch the show Transparent, which if you don't, you should, uh, I spoke to a couple of writers and producers on the last season of The Kibbutz. It's a great episode. But Rabbi Susan is the show's rabbinical consultant. Um, Yeah, Rabbi Susan talks with the writers about Jewish themes. She consults with the costume department on the most appropriate wardrobe for the female rabbi character in the show, played by the um, absolutely fabulous Catherine Hahn. Love her. Um, and is a model for Catherine's character. So she's a pretty badass rabbi. Here she is, Rabbi Susan Goldberg. One of the things that's unique about Judaism is that we have really multiple theologies. We have many, 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 many different ways to understand the divine. And they're all within Judaism. And they've changed over the epics of our history. Uh, and th- some of them are direct contrast with each other. Um, so, for example, you know, in, in the rabbinic period, it was very, very, um, the rabbinic theology was very at ease with seeing God embodied, you know, anthropomorphized. And they would add midrashim, where like Moses is arguing with God and God grabs God's cloak. We knew that God had a cloak. <laughs> and then you'll get into the medieval period with the Rambam, and he writes the Guide to the Perplex, and he goes through every example of Torah, where there's an eye of God and a hand of God. And he says, okay, that's not really an eye, not really in a hand. This is a metaphor. This is, you know, God is a sort of the great thinker outside of all. This is not, God's not embodied in this way. And those are two very elevated, um, you know, theologies within Judaism. You would, you, you would not be blamed for saying that you were rabbinic or a Maimonidean. And yet they're in complete contrast with each other. They cannot be harmonized. And Judaism does not ask us to harmonize different beliefs about God, including, you know, when somebody says that they're an atheist, for example, usually how it works for me is that somebody comes up to me and they like to do this at parties. Oh, you're a rabbi. Hi, I don't believe in God. When people say I don't believe in God, that's the beginning of the conversation to me because I don't actually know what they mean by God and what they mean by belief. What happens in a dominant Christian culture is that we have a very specific Christian lens on what belief means, whereas Judaism is much more complex than that. Everything from, you know, agnosticism, to, I mean, it's just, it, as I said, lots of different beliefs that cannot be harmonized, and what it puts us on, on us is the, the need to define what is the divine to you, and, and, and if you're saying you, you step out of that paradigm altogether, great, what does that look like to you? Do you, do you, do you see a moral framework in the universe? Do you see a, a spiritual framework or not, and what does that look like? I suppose if someone were a deeply religious person of some other faith, that they might see that as a, as a kind of a rationalization or as a, as a cop-out and just saying, like, yeah, Jews, they just, they just let anybody believe whatever. And that's not really what the, that's not the religion. I mean, we, re- we really do have different theological beliefs. It's just, we really always have. I mean, if you look at different epics of history, there is definitely a connection to the divine, a sense of source, 
and and creator, revealer, redeemer, these different manifestations. It's not that that's not there. It's absolutely there. Mm-hmm. But the way it's defined, described, related to, it's incredibly diverse. And that's not a rationalization. That is, that's true to what our history is and true to what our people have always been. I mean, you, you, if some two people are lighting the Shabbat candles or three people are lighting the Shabbat candles and one of them lights the candles in a way that they're thinking, as I light this candle, I have a sense of the Kabbalistic um, mystical drama unfolding in the universe and the cosmology at this time. And when I light this candle, it'll bring pieces of the divine self back together. So that's one person. Another person might say, I have a, a, a sense of God as creator of all who created everything and have stepped out of the world and now we're just here doing it on our own. I'm going to light the Shabbat candles. And the third person is going to say, I have no idea what I think about God, but my grandmother lit the candles and I'm going to light the candles. <laughs> the thing that's going to happen in all those three situations is that the candles are going to get lit. Yeah. And that is what we focus on now, that's beautiful because it moves us to action and ritual and ethical action. But sometimes what gets lost is that those three people don't get to say what they're coming to it with. Usually, sort of for, for easier sake, we tend to just not talk about the divine, right. uh, which is too bad. And now we're going to hear from someone a bit more controversial. His name is David Silverman, and he is president of the American Atheists Association. You may know him as the origin of the rage face, are you serious internet meme from an interview he did with former Fox News anchor slash sexual predator, Bill Bill (laughs) O'Reilly. Silverman suggested to O'Reilly, a Catholic, that religion is a scam, to which O'Reilly retorted, I'll tell you why it's not a scam, in my opinion, Uh all right? Tide goes in, tide goes out. Never a miscommunication. You can't explain that. That is when Silverman made his are you serious face. The tide goes in, the tide goes out. It's worth a Google. Anyway. This seems like a good time to remind listeners that the views expressed on the kibbutz do not reflect the views of the podcast hosts or its sponsors. This interview has been edited for time, uh, but I tried to stay true to the essence of what Silverman had to say, and he had a lot to say. With that, take it away, David Silverman. Well, my name is David Silverman, and I'm uh, president of American Atheists and author of Fighting God, an Atheist Manifesto for a Religious World, which is now available. Um, I have been an atheist activist for uh, over 20 years, and I've been the president of American Atheists for seven years. Uh, I'm known as a firebrand atheist. I'm known as uh, the person who is um, most likely and emphatically will call out religion for the lie and the scam and the con that it is. Um, a lot of people call call me a hardliner. A lot of people call me uh, a firebrand. Some people call me militant. I don't like the word militant because nothing I do espouses violence. But I am very uh, firm in my position that all religion is a con. All gods are lies. All believers are victims of those lies. And that we as atheists have the social responsibility to not only call ourselves atheists, but indeed to help those afflicted with the lie of God to come out. The only reason anyone would believe in any God is indoctrination. And that makes it a scam and a con. And we, as good people, have the social responsibility to call that out. I told David that I gathered by his name that he at least grew up Jewish. 
I grew up in a Reformed Jewish household in Marblehead, Massachusetts, and I went to Hebrew school. I had my first atheistic thought when I was six years old. And really, since then, I've never believed in God, and I've never been closeted about that. So I went through Hebrew school as an atheist. I was bar mitzvahed as an atheist. Um, uh, I remember my bar mitzvah very well. I gave a perfect bar mitzvah because my mother made sure that I was going to give a perfect bar mitzvah. This is where I think we get David Silverman's true origin story as an atheist. After I lied to everybody in the stadium, after I lied to everybody in the in the temple, they all congratulated me and they all told me what a good Jew I was. And they all told me uh, they all gave me gifts and presents. And, and I made out like a bandit. And then we had a big party. And that was the first time I realized that um, people lie from the stage in temple. Here's a good story. And uh, do you have a time constraint? Unfortunately, I told him I didn't. Uh, Then he told a very long story about how while he was away at prep school, his mother paid for two years of Hebrew school confirmation classes that he did not attend. At the end of two years, he turned in a final project anyway. It was a badly rendered drawing of a hand holding up the earth, which he titled God Holding Up the World. And guess what? He passed, thus confirming to him that Judaism was a lie. Now, It's a story that I can relate to, being a teenager, questioning everything. It's how I felt when I was told Jews were the chosen people. But I grew out of that phase, and I came to a different relationship with the religion and my own atheism within it. It seems David did not. Anyway, I jokingly told David that, in getting confirmed, he must have made his mother very proud. She was very proud because she was a victim of the indoctrination that it's important and imperative to raise your kids in the Jewish religion. And part of that is indoctrinating them into this, into this myth, this lie that Judaism is actually more than a religion, that Judaism is a people, that you can leave the religion, but not the people, that you're a member of the tribe, that you're a member of the Jewish culture. You and I have a Jewish look. Well, can you be Jewish and not have our look? Yes. Can you look like us and not be Jewish? Yes. It's not a Jewish look then. How about that culture of ours? How about Matzabrai? How about the Hora? How about uh, Varnishkas and Karsha? Well, there's Ethiopian Jews. They don't look like us and they don't have the same culture. Are they Jews? Yes. Well, what if they marry out? Are they still Jews? Yes. Well, what if they adopt in? Are they Jews? Yes. Okay, so you've got somebody with no blood and no ties and no culture. Um, what makes them Jewish? The only thing that binds all Jews together, there's one thing that binds all Jews together, and that is the Torah. That's it. The religion. Not the culture, not the look, not the attitude, not the intellect, not the background. Nothing. Nothing binds people who call themselves Jews together except the Torah. And so there's this subset of people, these people who call themselves Jews, but are not. And why? Why do people like you and me call ourselves Jewish atheists when we're not Jews anymore? Well, that's because we have still been indoctrinated by in much more, in in many more lies than just the God and the burning bush. We have been indoctrinated into this idea that Judaism is more than a religion. And more importantly, Dan, we have been indoctrinated into the lie that it's important to protect Judaism, that it's important, it's our responsibility to protect the lie of God, to protect the scam. 
It's our responsibility. If we don't protect, if we don't call ourselves Jews, Hitler wins, which is crap because Hitler's dead and he lost. And it is not our responsibility to pretend to believe the lies that our parents believed. And it's not our responsibility to protect a con and a scam. I was fairly speechless uh, at, at David Silverman at this point, but the next guest, British comedian David Baddiel, I think he answered this assertion really well. Here's his response. Yeah, but Hitler's not dead. Right. I mean, because there are people out there. I mean, I, he, I don't know how famous David Silverman is. I've never heard of him. But I'm a fairly famous in this country Jew. My Twitter biography is Jew because I am out about being Jewish. That attracts Nazis. I mean, straightforward Nazis, people who will post pictures of you know, Auschwitz uh, at me online or, uh, you know, whatever. So David Silverman could say to the guy in the Gestapo who's put him in the cattle truck, no, you don't understand. I'm an atheist. I've given up the whole Jewish thing. He's really, really, I mean, I really don't believe in it. And the Gestapo man would still say, here's a pistol on your head. (laughs) So that's the problem with David (laughs) Silverman's idea. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Because the fact is, as, as long as there are people, of which there are many, who would consider Jews vermin or would consider that, you know, something needs to be done about Jews, whatever the fuck their religious beliefs, then there's no there's no getting away from it, I'm afraid. In the same way, there's no getting away from being black. The negative reason why you have to continue to propagate an identity is because of racism against that. Racism as a concept, or race as a concept, only really exists because of racism. So I often, that happens to me sometimes on Twitter or whatever, if I'm talking about uh, racism against Jews, people will say, oh, Jews aren't a race. As far as I don't know what the fucking philosophy is about that. There's some kind of bloodline. They're a bloodline. They're not. I don't care. It doesn't matter. What matters is, are there racists who hate us because of our perceived race? Yes, truckloads. So therefore, we have to think of ourselves as a race and we have to defend ourselves in some way against against those people. So David Silverman is wrong. Silverman seemed to get just more and more worked up the more we talked. It didn't help that I told David that I was a Jewish atheist. At one point, I mentioned my conversation with Rabbi Susan, where she said that Judaism allowed for a a very loose definition of what God is. As you might imagine, that didn't go over well. You're not Jewish, Dan. You're an atheist, and you need to come forward and deal with that fact. Of course, the rabbi is going to tell you to change the definition of God. Anything that he can do in order to keep that lie consistent with what we know to be true scientifically in the world. Anything. Oh, it's all a metaphor. Well, Dan... When God becomes a metaphor, you become an atheist. And I'm not trying to beat you down, Dan. I know you're fighting what I went through. And I know there's a whole bunch of people who are listening to this podcast right now who are desperately trying to reason why I'm wrong and you're right. But you can't because I'm right and you're wrong. And the reason that you think I'm wrong is indoctrination and indoctrination only. And I hope that by coming on this podcast, I can raise the awareness of the fact that Judaism does not need or warrant respect or protection. It is a lie and a con and a scam, just like every other religion. We all know it's a lie. We all know it's a scam. And we all know that it indoctrinates. And this is part of the indoctrination. Dan, you're not Jewish. You're not. You're an atheist like me. You're an ex-Jew. You can kind of hear me laughing in the background there. Uh, my my only response to to David Silverman when he asserted that I wasn't Jewish was to just kind of giggle. Uh, I really didn't know what to say. So uh, I think I'll just bring back David Bedil here, who has a much more sensible response to that kind of comment. 
I think only someone who at some level feels insecure in their atheism would not allow themselves to be Jewish because it's great being Jewish. I mean, yeah. apart from the anti-Semitism, but the basic having that culture to hand and to feel part of that and to feel, you know, that you're the same uh, in the same club as it were as Groucho Marx, ironically, uh, is brilliant. <laughs> so why divest yourself of that for the yeah. sake of some weird idea that, being that the fact that there is no God means you cannot associate culturally with these other people. That's wrong. I really do appreciate you bringing me on because I know this gets into people's core. This gets people mm. mad because it goes against our indoctrination. And and so let me just give a couple quick plugs here. Uh, the, com the, the conversation, the presentation that you want to Google online is I'm an atheist and so are you. Uh, I gave it in Phoenix uh, some time ago, and it's about this subject. I'm the president of American Atheists. The website is atheists.org. And please buy my book. My book is called Fighting God, an Atheist Manifesto for a Religious World. Um, and Dan, I want to thank you very much for having me on this show. I know this is passionate. I know that a lot of your listeners right now have blood boiling. But that's because they've been indoctrinated into thinking that people like me are bad just for even saying the words that there is no need to protect Judaism. There's no need to respect Judaism. In fact, doing such is an immoral act. You, it, it's, it's hard words to hear the, for an indoctrinated person to hear, but they are still true words. And I appreciate your consideration. Yeah, I know. David Silverman is pretty intense. So, to offer another point of view on Jewish atheism, here is the rest of the interview with legendary British comedian David Baddiel. He's got a brilliant one-man show called My Family, Not the Sitcom, which I saw and loved. I saw it twice. It was that good. I could not recommend it more highly. It's, it's touring the UK, so if you're in the UK, that's the United Kingdom, please check it out. In the show, David touches a bit on his brand of Jewish atheism. We began our conversation which took place in the basement of the Playhouse Theater in London's West End, talking about an interesting moment from his show. Well, actually, I, I, interestingly, in terms of what you're, what we're talking about here, I guess, because we'll probably move on to this, but I talk about anti-Semitic tweets. Uh, and then I say, the reason I get anti-Semitic tweets is I'm very out about being Jewish. Uh, and I say, you know, this is kind of weird because I'm a fundamentalist atheist. Um, um, so I, I'm now doing this joke wrong, but the way the way it works in the show is, despite being a fundamentalist atheist, I'm very out about being Jewish. And then I say uh, that is a you know a combination only available to Jews, uh, and that's where the laugh is. Although a lot of the can I say goyim? I don't know. I'm never quite sure what I can say goyim, but probably on this podcast, if anyone can say <laughs> goyim, a lot of the goyim they laugh because of the music of it. Uh, you know, the way I deliver it, it gets a laugh, and I think only Jews really understand. Well, the comedy is there because the comedy is just observational comedy, which is that, you know, I think all Jews are atheists. Uh, I, 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 let me tell you a story that I've told once in the show. Just, I used to do, uh, I don't know when you saw the show, I, I did a Q&A until very recently at the end of the show. Uh, yeah, I've stopped doing that now, partly because I got bored of the people asking the same questions. I wanted to do something different. But I used to get Q&A and occasionally that would come up about being a Jewish atheist. People didn't really understand. And... Uh, once I told this story about how I was asked to light the menorah uh, in Hampstead, where I live. It's quite a big Jewish community, and they have a great big 
electric menorah. You turn it on. You don't light it. You turn on the electric menorah. It's like, like turning on the Christmas lights, which I also have done in other places. So anyway, I said to this rabbi, I didn't like much. He was one of those frewers who was like unbelievably sure of himself. Do you know what frewers are like that? Do you know? I don't know if they are, maybe not, in America. In Britain, frummers, like, he just rings me up and goes, hello, David. Uh, I'm doing the voice and everything. I mean, what well, that was his voice. Uh, I'm feeling this is a safe space for anti-Semitism, basically. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he says, hello, David. I don't know how I've got my number or anything. Uh, he just goes, yeah, I've got your number. Do you want to turn on the menorah? And, like, doesn't explain himself. They're unbelievably solipsistic. You know, and I said, well, sorry, who are you? Whatever. Said, I'm rabbi, blah, blah. You know, run the synagogue. Come and turn on the menorah. So I wasn't that keen on doing it anyway. And then I said, I tried an argument that I sort of knew would fail anyway. I said, well, I don't know, I'm an atheist. And he went, yes, so am I. <laughs> He's the rabbi. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and he just said it completely straightforwardly. Yeah. Because I think the point about Jews, even ones who believe in the religion, the religion, as we know, is just a series of codified kind of obsessive compulsive disorders. You know, it's just a way of controlling the universe for people who feel out of control, isn't right. it? Yeah. It's a series of weird restrictions, 613 of them, I believe, uh, like about turning lights on at certain times or not. You know, it's not really much to do with an actual belief in God. We don't even have a fucking afterlife, which is our point of fucking religion, isn't it? That's what religion is for. We don't really have it. Yeah. So I, I think most Jews are atheists. But uh, the line, I think, get, gets a bit of a laugh from non-Jews, but gets a proper laugh from Jews who oh, yeah. sort of understand that all Jews... Are atheists. Yeah, you said that in your Q and A that you you people were confused by that. I mean, what the question is? Okay, so not how are you an atheist, but in what way are you Jewish? That's what people want to know. Yeah. And of course, the answer to that is, well, I I am, and and that's partly why I think that that joke comes up against the background of thinking about anti-Semitism, because I am Jewish in two ways. One of which I think is growing. One of which is just there, which is I am fairly culturally Jewish. So if you ask me. Well, that's something else I said, which was kind of a gag, but true enough, which was someone asked me about how you could be a Jewish atheist. I said, well, I don't believe in God, but I do believe in Larry David. And that's true. I am very proud of that tradition in Jewishness, which is incredible comedy tradition and, you know, book tradition and all that stuff. The artistic cultural tradition is incredible. I'm really proud of that. I'm, I am very Jewish, I think, in my comic outlook in the way that I, I hold myself, even in the way that I think it's all really Jewish. None of that is anything to do with God. And the other thing is, which as I say is growing, is like a resistance and a fighting a need to fight anti-Semitism, which again is nothing to do with God. You know, uh, I, I consider my Jewish identity, which I do think is real, to be under threat. And so therefore that can come out more strongly with that in the, in the background. So that's the Jewishness. Yeah. And and all that is completely runs on a track with atheism. Athe you can be an atheist and those things can be as strong as you like. Yeah. I was wondering if the menorah story was going to go uh, somewhere this direction. No, no. <laughs> somewhere somewhere more interesting. Yeah. Um, but do you participate? I mean, as yeah. an atheist, do you participate no, in rituals? I absolutely. Mean, you, you had a shiva at, you know. Yeah, you, we had a shiva, uh, but I do anyway. Uh, we have Hanukkah normally and we are so we try and do Pesach although almost always Pesach falls at like a weird time of the year in terms of things like gigs and uh, work and holidays and shit like that and then it does become quite difficult I've noticed to get your non-Jewish wife or my brother's non-Jewish wife to like you know say this is a priority yeah. <laughs> we should do this um, and in my heart of hearts I don't think it is a priority I want to do it for two reasons, I think. One is there's a kind of nostalgia to it. There's a family nostalgia. We did do that stuff when we were young. We did have it taken fairly seriously when we were young because I had grandparents on my mum's side who were Holocaust survivors. They were liberal Jews, but they were religious and they did a proper Seder. You know, they did proper Hanukkah 
and those were happy times in in my life. In, in my weird, you'll know I had a weird childhood, and those were reasonably <laughs> sort of nice times. We had sort of reasonably nice food. And my parents weren't being too mental, you know. So it was okay, kind of you know. So I want to do them for that reason. My kids enjoy them, you know. My half Jewish kids, uh, and I don't hold with the whole matrilinear thing. That my kids are half Jewish, and they like it, um, and they could seem, you know, which I think is good. Interested a bit. I mean, they're interested much more in uh, Playstations, but sure. but they're interested a bit in their Jewish identity. Uh, so I am sad when we don't do those things. But, again, I don't see them as anything to do with God. I, I mean, I absolutely know that when I'm singing. I mean, if you, if you actually, every so often I do think about what I'm saying when I, you know, for example, Dayenu, right? So you, you sing Dayenu. And occasionally, I think, because what we always do, we did this even when we were young, is not do the whole lot. I'm sure you, you're the same. So if you do it, you do like four verses and then you cut to the end. Okay. Yeah, that's what we always do on Sado. Yeah. But if you, it's interesting. That's why I said about obsessive compulsive. If you, Dayenu is, if God had taken us out of Egypt, just done that, it would have sufficed. If God had just given us manna, that would have sufficed. If God had done this, it would have, it's that weird thing, which prayer is, but Jewish prayer seems more than anything, which is covering the bases over and over and over again that God is great, God is good, God has done these things for us. Thank you, God, you're so fucking great. Right. And obviously, I, I don't. my atheism does not need reinforcing. But yeah. if it did, I would just read that and think, well, what kind of paranoid twat needs this kind of reinforcement? Right. You know, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so uh, those rituals are there for my identity, for my family's identity, and for my own slightly cold sense of nostalgia. Do you talk about God sort of as a metaphor? Do you, mm. you know, no, do you- uh, my kids absolutely know I'm an atheist. Yeah. And I think both of them are as well. Yeah. Uh, as far as I can be, and they're 12 and 15, but they seem to be pretty atheist. Uh, I haven't forced that on them. I've just told them that I am. And because they're both quite bright kids, unfortunately, they don't have any you know, the evidence for anything else. Um, I, uh, no, I, I have talked to them about, I guess, historically, what it seems to represent, you know, so the actual history that's being retold, there is one of slaves being liberated from Egypt, and it's, you know, that Jewish thing. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to say that, you know, they tried to kill us, they didn't let's eat thing, because it's a dull joke now, <laughs> but that is what it is. And, and that's kind of interesting that it is something, it says something about Jewish history, which is that we are celebrating as ever survival. You know, so Hanukkah is also survival, yeah. you know, and, and Jews are incredible like that. I mean, that, that is amazing that Jews have managed to survive when basically their entire history is most of the world trying to kill them. Right. Uh, I don't quite know how, how we've done that. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. <laughs> it's a miracle quite clearly. And here, can I just say one thing about yes, that? Please. One more thing about atheism. Uh, please, yeah. Uh, which isn't really to do with Jewishness, it's to do totally with atheism, which is I consider myself, and this may be arrogant at some level, doesn't meant to be, but more of an atheist than, say, Richard Dawkins. I've noticed in Richard Dawkins, in The God Delusion, he calls himself a nine out of ten atheist. I'm not entirely sure why. There's some kind of weird philosophical construct. I, I, I wouldn't, I am, I mean, I'm a spinal tap, tap 11 out of 10 atheist. <laughs> I mean, I, I absolutely, totally know that God doesn't exist. I don't believe that God doesn't exist. I know God doesn't exist. I know I am turning to dust when I die. I know, you, you, do you want to know why I know more than anything? I mean, apart from all the evidence, everything else, do you want to know why I know? I think if you, if you know that God doesn't exist and therefore have no threat from, like I think Richard Dawkins has got, because he grew up as an altar boy, he's got a slight bit of that in his throat that he's constantly like, trying just to, in case yeah yeah don't <laughs> cough up as yeah. it were yeah uh but if you know then you can recognize something about religion which again david silverman clearly can't which is it has a lot of poetry and magic and 
tells you stuff about what it, what you need to be human. Yeah. It does. And I think it's, you know, you can be, you can let yourself uh, listen to that. It's kind of interesting and, and beautiful stuff in the Bible and all that kind of stuff. It's just wrong. It's wrong, but it's still really beautiful. And we, humanity is often wrong and still beautiful. Sure. Um, this is how I know how God doesn't exist, um, which is that uh, I was doing The Infidel, which, as I say, is a film about religion, and in my opinion, quite positive about religion. And then uh, Omid Jalili, who is a Baha'i, and Baha'i is kind of an interesting religion from that point of view. And I don't know if you know, but Baha'is, they believe that all religions have value and are chapters in the same book. And so he's a religious person, but in a kind of very slightly hippie way. Uh, and he said to me, don't you want to believe in God? When I was talking to him about atheism, he said, don't you want to believe in God? I said, yes, that's why I know he doesn't exist. Because it's so clearly, it's so fucking clearly a projection of a desire. Hmm. It's so clear that humanity frightened as it is all the time by the spectre of its own death and by things it doesn't understand in the universe would project an image of an all-explaining father figure to make sense of all this and to give their lives meaning and destiny and all the rest of it that we without which it feels awful of course we would project that into the sky yeah you know that's what we do you know that's what we do in all sorts of other ways but all sorts of other things but, but that's the number one way in which we make our desire realistic And for one last viewpoint, I offer Herb Silverman, president of the Secular Coalition for America, which unites 19 different monotheistic organizations, including the Society for Humanistic Judaism, which has a number of atheist rabbis around the country. He also has an amazing story about his eight-year legal battle in South Carolina's Supreme Court nullifying the state's religious test requirement to hold public office. He'll tell us about that and a lot more. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, he's the kind of guy, any guy named Herb Silverman's going to talk. He's got some stories. <laughs> it, it wasn't until I was, say, 48 years old that uh, my mother found out I was an atheist, and in a very unusual way. I uh, ran for governor of South Carolina to challenge uh, the state constitution provision that atheists were not allowed to hold public office. And I was helped by the American Civil, Liber Civil Liberties Union on that. And it got more publicity than I thought, and it got into the Philadelphia Inquirer, where my, and my mother was living in Philadelphia, so she called me the next day, kind of surprised to find out that her only child is a candidate for governor and an atheist. Right. <laughs> which, so yeah, that which was the first political <laughs> fence I had amends. Right. Which do you think uh, she was more surprised by? <laughs> well, probably <laughs> the governor thinks. Yeah. I don't, you know, the, my, I said my grandparents are religious. My parents just pretended to be for the sake of relatives. Mm -hmm. But that wasn't so surprised I was an atheist, but that uh, she always wanted me to have respect in the community, and I never quite did. So she was more upset about me being open about it mm -hmm. than that I'm actually an atheist. Right. And then what happened? I, I gather you did not win the uh, the governorship in 1990. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. What, what happened, uh, it was really to challenge the law, and I found out that in a the judge ruled in the case that he would only decide on the merits if I won the election, which, of course, I didn't. I subsequently found out that I was not allowed to hold any public office in South Carolina, uh, being an atheist. 
so I applied to become a notary public, you know, somebody who stamps documents. That's yeah. also an official uh, thing. And I was turned down for that, too, because they would have to acknowledge that atheists can hold public office. And it took an eight-year legal battle, which uh, I finally won in the South Carolina Supreme Court, that I could become a notary public, and that nullified the anti-atheist clause in our state constitution. Wow. Well, good for you. (laughs) And I'm sure you're thrilled to be a notary public now. Well, actually, (laughs) I'm probably the most famous notary public in (laughs) South Carolina, where uh, people can actually perform weddings, and I've performed so far 16 weddings as a notary public. Wow. And it's a statistical anomaly that so far none of them have ended in divorce. That's interesting. So, all right. So, yeah, if you're listening and you want to get married, go go see Herb Silverman in South Carolina. <laughs> I'd be happy uh, to bring my good luck uh, in that. So, you know, after that long battle, yeah. you know, when I went to pick up my notary license, you know, uh, I had friends with me and uh, you know, my wife took a picture of me getting the notary license and holding it above my head in triumph. And the other people in the notary office who didn't know about my case had quite a chuckle thinking <laughs> that the high point of this guy's life is being a notary public. What a loser he is. <laughs> That's a big deal. So, I mean, I want to get back to, you talked about sort of having Passover seders and things like that. Do you participate now uh, in any Jewish rituals in your life? Yes, I've gone to, uh, for instance, seders. Uh, I always tell people what my views are, and uh, some of them are humanistic satyrs, and that's fine. Some are religious, but I enjoy having discussions. Do you think it's hypocritical for, you know, to say a Jewish prayer over the wine, you know, that mentions God, if you don't believe in God? No, as long as I get an opportunity to say, you know, I don't really believe this stuff, but I understand it's part tradition. It would be, to me, hypocritical to... uh, pretend to believe. Let me tell you about my marriage. First of all, I married a shiksa, right. so did much I. <laughs> to the dismay of my family. And when an Orthodox aunt heard I was getting married, she just had one question, is she Jewish? And when she found out, no, she refused to even meet uh, my uh, intended. You know, I even had one aunt uh, who was more liberal, and, and I said that, uh, to the end, you know, well, we're both atheists, and this aunt said, well, couldn't you marry a Jewish atheist? <laughs> <laughs> and we we got married in our home after living in sin for 10 years, and uh, I did mention God in the ceremony. I thanked God for not existing, <laughs> because that, that's actually how uh, my wife Sharon and I got together. It was during my political campaign uh, she went to hear me uh, speak on my campaign, and she became my one and only groupie, and uh, we've been together ever since. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> you know, to me, growing up, my Jewish juices flowed most freely when it was about anti-anti-Semitism. And, you know, some people even say, since you're an atheist, why do you feel so strongly about your Judaism? And I... I would say that, you know, I didn't want to uh, give uh, uh, Adolf Hitler a posthumous victory by uh, denying my Judaism. 
Right. So I, I do think of it as kind of a light in, in the world telling who we are, why, and just the, the anti-Semitism that was around. I came out proudly as a Jew then. Now, uh, the anti-atheism that's around in the U.S. Uh, is why I went from an apathetic atheist to a, a more activist atheist when I saw uh, the prejudice against atheists. Mm. But as long as uh, we're put in various boxes, uh, I want to keep the, the Jewish box and want a lot of what I used to consider Jew, Jewish values to become more uh, uh, universal values in, in terms of treating others kindly uh, and helping your neighbor, kind of like the what all religions claim, but most don't practice uh, mm -hmm. very faithfully, shall we say. You have a book out that came out this year that's uh, it's the atheist, An Atheist Stranger in a Strange Religious Land, Selected Writings from the Bible Belt. Um, yeah, Tales from the Bible yeah. Belt. <laughs> is it is yeah. it safe for, uh, for non-atheists to read as well? Oh, it's, uh, it's safe and hopefully enjoyable for everyone to read. It's a, a compilation of some of what I think are my best writings that are, because uh, I've written for uh, the Washington Post, Huffington Post, various secular magazines, and I uh, group them topically rather than chronologically, which makes it easy uh, to focus on specific issues. Of course, uh, there's a chapter or two about Judaism as well. Oh, good. You know, that, but the second book, my first, was uh, Candidate Without a Prayer, an autobiography of a Jewish atheist in the Bible Belt. Well, I've I've read some of your uh, your posts online, and I yeah, it's uh, you're engaging and hilarious. So I would encourage everybody <laughs> Thank to, you. to I read appreciate these books. That. Do you have? Uh, I I feel like I read that you have a favorite uh, Jewish atheist joke. A, a Jewish atheist hears that the best school in town happens to be Catholic, so he enrolls his son. Things are going well until one day the boy comes home and says. I just learned all about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The boy's father is barely able to control his rage. He grabs his son by the shoulders and says, Joey, this is very important, so listen carefully. There is only one God, and we don't believe in him. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to kibitz with me. Hey, well, I uh, enjoy kibitzing with you as well. Thank you. All right, listeners. So do you believe in God? What does the idea of God mean to you? Have you struggled wondering what it means to be an atheist Jew? Is it important to believe in something? Is God a hoax? Send us your thoughts on this divine question to kibitzpod at gmail.com. That's K-I-B-I-T-Z pod at gmail.com. I spelled out. Thank you. Thank you for spelling. You know with Yiddish fan. I know. Somebody else puts two B's. Another one puts two T's. I know. I recently Googled We're, we're one B, one T. I know. We're one B, one T, but it's, you know, it's flexible. It's like Hanukkah. <laughs> and uh, we'll read them on an upcoming episode. That's it for this episode of The Kibbutz. Thanks to our guests, Rabbi Susan Goldberg, David Silverman, David Badil, and Herb Silverman. For more about all of these guests, please check out our website at kibitzpod.com. Or please tweet us at kibitzpod. If you like the episode, 
eh, why not leave us a review on iTunes and tell your friends? That's right. And if your name is David or Ensign Silverman, you know, call us. You might, maybe you should become a guest <laughs> on the show. <laughs> We're sure we can wedge you into one, into <laughs> one piece you or in. another. <laughs> Uh, this episode was produced and edited by me, Dan Crane. Special thanks to my co-host, Jessica Chaffin, as well as Adam Sachs, Sarah DeLeo, David Jargowski, Francine Hermelin, and Reboot. Our music is courtesy of my band, Ryan Remora, and our main theme is courtesy of Noon on Plu. And as my great-grandmother used to say, That's the way it is in a small town with a large population. Thanks for listening to The Kibitz.